Welcome to the ETAP Podcast, a service of the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials. Each month, we'll provide information and insight into environmental issues important to state transportation officials. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Bernie Wagenblast. Dr. Sean Wilson, the Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development and AASHTO's first African-American president, says... One of the significant advantages of serving as AASHTO president is that it gives me a platform to address issues that matter. During his tenure as president, Dr. Wilson will be facing issues that matter head-on. Each year, the incoming AASHTO president identifies emphasis areas that will be the focus of their term. Dr. Wilson's emphasis areas are pathways to equity and partnering to deliver. He, along with AASHTO Vice President Roger Millar of Washington State, will work with AASHTO and the states to promote equity and to encourage participation in non-traditional partnerships. Today we're sitting down with Dr. Wilson to discuss not only his emphasis areas, but his outlook and plans for AASHTO over the next year. Dr. Wilson, thank you so much for joining us on AASHTO's ETAP podcast. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to a very interesting and helpful conversation. Well, let me start right off by, first of all, congratulating you. It's just a short time ago that you were elected AASHTO's new president, so congratulations on that. At the beginning of your term, one of the things you did is you selected two emphasis areas. Tell us a bit more about those two areas and why they're important to AASHTO as an association and to the member state DOTs, if you would, please. Certainly. So one, thanks for the congratulations. Two, it's a high honor for me to serve in this capacity. It's a first for Louisiana. And what has been noted is it's the first African-American in a 106-year history of leadership in AASHTO. And so while I've been the first in other capacities, um, it's pretty significant to be the first in your profession selected by your peers, both in AASHTO and nationally. So uh, thank you, AASHTO, for this opportunity to work together. You know, as AASHTO president, I think that our goal and our responsibility is to be responsive. To where we are in life. And I think about what the run-up to this tenure was like when I think about some of the social issues that we've addressed in this country and continue to address, when I think about the challenges that have been set forth by the administration in terms of administrative priorities and things that are important, when I think about our organization and the workforce that we have and the challenges that we have with finding talent, my consideration of what priorities should be for this year harken back to two things. One, my appreciation of public policy and where we are, but two, a very personal experience with AASHTO. When I think about when I first became secretary, I was the only African-American secretary in the entire country of a state DOT. Of course, you had Anthony Fox. But when I looked around the room, there really weren't very many. There weren't very many females initially. There were probably six female secretaries at the time. And that was a pretty interesting place to watch that coalition of young, vibrant female leadership. And I appreciated the coalition that they created among themselves, the quiet time to sit aside and have coffee or uh, some other beverage and talk about challenges that they faced as women, as executives, as members of AASHTO, and what, for the most part, has been a male-dominated organization or a male-dominated industry. 
And I think about for those first couple of years, what it was like being the only African-American. And I'd look around the room, I'd look around the country and say, you know, this really isn't representative of who we are as a nation. When I look at governor's mansions, when I look at the Senate in the United States Congress, it's not super diverse. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I often think about, and this is probably having something to do with me being in my second term as secretary, was my second year. I'm approaching my third year in my second term. I had to think about what is the most impactful thing that I could do in terms of Ashto and its future. Previous secretaries talked about workforce. They talk about safety, which is an enduring principle. They talked about reauthorization and funding. All of these things are going to be there. We will always have issues of funding. We'll always have issues of reauthorization. We'll always have concerns about safety. I thought it was important for us to deal with this issue of equity, not because the president and his administration was talking about it, but because the pathway to equity is something I think that we can influence, that we can create institutional structure such that we can measure our success or our failures in terms of what we look like, who we're bringing to the table, and how are we broadening the tent for others to come in and be a part of the solutions of infrastructure. And so Pathways to Equity for me was something I thought that if we did it right, no longer does equity come up as an issue or lack of equity come up as an issue for agencies to deal with. My second topic, which somewhat compounds or is related to the first one, has to do with partnering to deliver. How do we go about doing our job? How do we go about building coalitions? And I think as Ashto, we have tremendous strengths with organizations like AGC and ARTPA. And I know our executive staff in Washington, they've got tremendous relationships with various stakeholder groups in this transportation space. I think it's important for the board of directors and our membership to receive that same networking relationship, to push down what we see at the national level with Jim and his staff, push it down so that our executives, our voice, our membership, our board members can all have those same types of partnerships, not just for ourselves and that it will validate what we believe, but more importantly, it best positions this industry to adhere to what the Secretary of USDOT and the President have often talked about is building coalitions to make big things happen. And so partnering to deliver does speak a little bit to broadening the tent and expanding our base and our stakeholder groups, but it also embraces this idea that equity offers opportunities for us. And equity isn't just about race. It's about socioeconomic class. It's about gender. It's about age. It's about ethnic group. It's about the discipline of the leadership we have. And so for me, I'm honored to find these two policies and put them front and center as Ashto goes about the business of implementing its strategic plan, responding to the federal government's passage and uh, implementation of IIJA, and look forward to the success that it's going to create, not just for the organization, but for its member departments as well. Sean, you have a PhD in public policy. You spent time during your career working in politics. Tell me a bit about the experiences of your background in public policy and politics and how they've helped you in your role as Secretary of Louisiana DOTD and how that might tap into your experience as Ashto president. You know, policy and politics cannot be separated, I think. There is some uh, wisdom in implementing and choosing which channel or avenue to take. 
And so when I look back at my academic career of public administration and public policy, it is completely intertwined with the politics of an agency, of a state, of an issue or industry. And it helps craft what I think is a successful balancing act. Because in order to have good policy and a good administration, you've got to have good implementation. You've got to actually get the political will to go along and support what it is you're trying to do. Governor Blanco, Louisiana's first female governor, often said, you can't govern if you can't win. And the same thing happens as a bureaucrat, as an implementer in transportation. The policies that I want to advance, the introduction of new solutions to mobility, the prioritization of safety, none of that is going to be relevant if we cannot win in a legislative process to give us the authorizations. And so for me, I have never lost the purity of good policy, good implementation, good, meaningful administration. And I never let the politics overshadow that because this is about delivering a service for the public. I often say that public service is like a ministry. You have to really believe what it is you're doing if you're going to be successful at it. And if you expect people to receive the intent of what you're trying to provide for them. And so I think marrying that issue of politics with the issue of public policy and public administration will go a long way to make big things happen. And so when I think about these priority issues I've talked about, when I think about the issue of implementation, believe me, every secretary, for the most part, those that are successful in building coalitions are going to maneuver political wins. They're going to deal with issues in their states even on a national level, that speak to political differences. But at the end of the day, our citizens don't really care about the politics. They want the services. They want the benefit of what it is we're providing. They want to make sure that they can move from point A to point B safely and affordably, and then have some quality about that experience. And so clearly, I think this will lend itself to Ashto to complement the staff that we have that are working on the Hill on a regular basis. Because when we go to Washington, when we go deal with these issues and other organizations, I have to believe they're going to look beyond just the professional staff and look to the board leadership. That's what we do in public service. We go to the private sector, we go to our chambers, and it's not just that director, it's that board chairman. And that board chairman has to understand the issues in his community or in her community and how it interfaces with their organization, and then understand how that's going to relate to the work that they do together. I think ASHO is in the same boat in terms of what we do. And if you think about who we work for, we all work for governors in some capacity. It may be a board that's going to be appointed by a governor. It may be a commission that's appointed by a governor. But at the end of the day, the governor of any state is going to be the titular head of transportation in some form or fashion, unless it's someone that's elected and they're sent there by the people. And governors, the last I checked, aren't always going to be experts in policy. They aren't going to be public administrators. In many cases, they may be practitioners in some discipline, but they're going to rely on a class of people like myself and others that comprise our board to deliver their missions. And that's a really good example of the integration of politics and public administration and public policy. You talked about navigating political wins in terms of getting things accomplished. And certainly, I'm sure you have a lot of experience doing that within the state of Louisiana. Now, as Ashto's president, uh, you're working on a national level to some degree, obviously, and with states that are all over the political spectrum. 
How does compromise work into all of this in terms of the work that you're trying to accomplish and what you hope to uh, bring home at the end of the day? Well, that's a loaded question. And it's only been, what, two and a half weeks? And so what? We just passed the IIJA (laughs) and got it signed in two and a half weeks. I think that's pretty successful, right? (laughs) Um, You know, interestingly enough, you say that. So the structure of AASHTO allows for the vice president to chair the Transportation Policy Forum and the Strategic Management Committee, both of which exercise the balancing act you would not believe because politically, as we just talked about governors, you have governors on different perspectives or different pages of issues. And so the state is typically going to reflect the political will of their legislature, of their governor, of their commission, of their board. And so as an AASHTO leader, my job is not to champion what is working and what is best for Louisiana. It's to understand the emphasis areas and the needs of the collective of state DOTs. And our decision-making process, as it relates to policy imperatives, as it relates to positions on political issues, all of it is really scientifically based, based on the opinions and the thought of what's best practice for how we do our jobs. And you're correct that that's going to be the real test when you have to take a position that might be against that of your governor or of your legislature. It might be the exact opposite of what's happening in your state. I think that every leader that we've had have really cherished and protected the position and the power of that gavel and understand that it's not about personal agendas and it's not about what my governor thinks. And so before I became national president, we had a really good conversation about his commitment to allow me to spend the extra time and effort and resources to do this. And he was okay with it because I think take something like climate change, for example, we're a fossil fuel state. Our budget is based on how much fuel we produce and what it does for our economy. And even in little Louisiana, with the fossil fuel history we have, there's a tremendous burgeoning climate change initiative. Is it as aggressive as what we might see in uh, some of our Western states or in the Northeastern portions of America? Probably not. But the fact that we have an organization of leaders and executives to represent the common denominating issues on policy issues is super important. And it's a huge honor for me as president to be able to reflect that and represent that. And I think there's an opportunity to step aside and say, look, this is where Louisiana is. But the higher calling for me as president, as I speak on behalf of AASHTO and different audiences and venues, is really about AASHTO and not just about Louisiana. And all of the successful secretaries that I've had a chance to watch and work under and we're still serving, Carlos, Patrick, and Victoria, and others that I've known pretty well since I've been secretary and even before have all done that and honored that. And and I think it's going to be a lot easier than perhaps some may think because of who we are as an organization and how we're structured. You talked in, in response to my first question about partnering with different groups and organizations to deliver those emphasis areas that you have identified. Are there any state DOT partnerships that you'd like to spotlight or replicate on a wider scale through uh, this initiative? Part of what we want to do is identify some of the best practices of where you have strategic partnerships. I look at what Louisiana was able to do with the different health organizations around Complete Streets. The major stakeholder in that initiative for us from a policy perspective was AARP. That was not what one would have expected. It wasn't an engineering organization. It wasn't a construction organization. 
it wasn't even a materials organization. It was a it was about people. And so I think all of our states have really unique relationships that are worth highlighting and worth growing and taking up to the next level, whether it's individuals with disabilities or organizations that represent their interests, whether it's the technology space in terms of what's happening out there that we see with CAVs and what that might be for industry. So is there any one best practice? Probably not. But I think we need to look at who we're partnering with, how we can partner with them and export the success of that to other states so that it can be replicated. I also think that there's some traditional partnerships that can feed into the issue of diversity. When you think about the National Society of Black Engineers, the number of Black organizations that might be around public administration and FBPA, two areas that there's a shortage of people of color, technical positions or management type positions. It's an opportunity to connect with them and recruit and retain to work with HBCUs, for example. It's another non-traditional partnership while we have worked and done track and rides to help promote this field and this profession, we can be very targeted in those opportunities. And so I don't know that there is one specific partnership that's worth highlighting because I think if you talk to every secretary, there's got to be at least one non-traditional partner or stakeholder that's contributed to their success in their states. And we want to highlight those. We want to share those best practices. It was nice to see in November that the infrastructure bill was making headlines, not just in the transportation world, but it was making national news and getting a lot of attention. It was a big deal for state DOTs when that was passed, as well as for AASHTO. Are there some features of that bill that are going to help the state DOTs further their goals and the goals of your emphasis areas? Clearly, there are. You know, I had the honor of attending the bill signing at the White House and sat on the South Lawn, and it was just an amazing gathering of a very diverse group of stakeholders. And so when I just look at the people that were invested in that process, it opens the door for opportunity. The people I sat next to were non-traditional partners. They were independent community foundations. Think about that for a second. They are interested in helping build capacity at the local level to receive the investments that might make it to communities all across this country because of this bill. When you think about the workforce that was there, the union representatives, when you think about the different modal stakeholders, when you think about the advocates for clean water that were all there, the very nature of what has come together behind IIJA is going to open doors in terms of an opportunity for us to collaborate if we embrace that, if we find a way to invite them into our space and give them free time to talk about what's important, to talk about where we have common interests, and to talk about where we differ on policies so that we can try and find a common place or a happy median to be able to continue to serve. So that's one thing that will happen. The other thing I think that's in the bill is that for the first time, we're seeing some brand new programs that really speak to sustainable issues that deal with equity. They're taking equity head on in terms of reconnecting communities and ensuring that there's some reparative work, if you will, for communities that were negatively impacted by infrastructure. Is it as much as they want it? Absolutely not. Is it a small percentage of what we could do? Unfortunately, it is, but it's a start. Same thing has happened with broadband. The same thing is happening with resilience. These are programs that 
have a space in states all across the country. There's a space for every opportunity in IIJA on my wish list, on my to-do list for Louisiana DOT. And I think it's important for us to take full advantage of that and to allow the IIJA to move the administrative needle or the policy needle in our states. Some are going to go a lot further than others. Some, for the first time, as it relates to EV, for example, are going to have to take it seriously because none of us want to leave money on the table. And so the idea that there's a program targeting building infrastructure for electric vehicles or alternatively fueled vehicles, that says to states, it's time to get on board and be prepared for the transition that we're ushering in with IIJA. As you know, Sean, the intersection of transportation and the environment is often the focus of the ETAP podcast. And we have a lot of listeners from the AASHTO Committee on Environment and Sustainability. How can state DOT environmental practitioners help achieve the goals that are outlined in your emphasis areas? Well, great question, because at the core of not just my priority issues really has to do with public engagement. It has to do with understanding the impacts and implication of infrastructure. And I think the intersection of transportation and the environment, whether it's the physical environment or what is so important in this administration, the social infrastructure or the social environments that are out there, those are the keys to success because at the end of the day, we all want citizens to receive value for their efforts and their time. We want to honor their concerns. We want to respect our differences. But most importantly, we want to advance our economy and our communities with infrastructure. And so I would encourage your audience to find a place to say that this isn't just about doubling down on our process. It isn't just about following the letter of the law to the intent. Think about what the spirit of what this environmental renaissance might mean for us to not just look at our physical environment, but what does it do for our social environment? I think there's some compatibility between the two. And so finding a way to engage in the discussion outside of a siloed approach of this is the most important thing. A lot of secretaries tend to look sometimes, and not just secretaries, but citizens, and I've heard it from communities when we've traveled, that they feel stymied by the process that we use as we start to assess the environmental impacts of transportation, that they feel overly burdened or philosophically challenged by issues of sustainability. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think understanding it, putting it in context is always going to make good sense for us, uh, at least for me here in Louisiana, as we talk about how we deliver infrastructure. Most importantly, no one wants to do more damage. The last thing any professional in this business wants to do is to build or design something that's not going to be safe. Going through a process helps me better prepare for what those intended and unintended consequences are of our actions. And I think that's why this audience, this topic, the presence of sensitivity to issues of the environment and sustainability are super, super important as we make decisions, not just with IIJA, but in how we do our jobs. Remember, many states are only looking at 40 to 50% of their budget coming from the feds that are going to have those strings. We have an obligation to address some of these issues with our resources because it's the right thing to do and not just because the feds are mandating it as a part of us receiving those dollars. And the spirit of that, I think, is much more aligned and intentional with what the stakeholders that you subscribe to with this podcast and those who are on the policy side as well. So 
I think that explains a little bit about how that intersection works, in my opinion, and, and how it might parlay into the leadership of Ashto over the next year. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time out to chat with us. I'm sure you have a very busy schedule right now in terms of getting up to speed with everything at Ashto, as well as what's going on in Louisiana. And we really do appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us and tell us a little bit about what some of your goals are and some of the things as you see them from your perspective. We've been talking with Dr. Sean Wilson, the Secretary of the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development, and Ashto's new president. Dr. Wilson, again, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat with us. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it.